Hey guys, you want to hear something? Sure. Lay it on us. I fell asleep for probably about 45 minutes of this movie. Oh! <laughs> what? Bum, bum, bum. How's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back with our new category. I don't remember who picked it, but it's dinosaur movies. Yeah. The dino. Hooray. Dino might. <laughs> hey. Hey. I also don't know who picked this one. One of you guys picked it, but we're taking it way back. Ah, yeah, to prehistoric times. 1953. This is the oldest movie we reviewed, I'm pretty sure. This is the second oldest would be Mad Mad World, right? Oh, this is much older than that. So this is the definitely the oldest. We've broken a record. We're setting records with The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Man, you know, I'm not going to say this is like the oldest movie I've ever seen, but I think it's the first time I've sat down and watched an old movie that wasn't like Nosferatu or the old, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Yeah, Caligari. (laughs) And I would have pegged you as somebody who's watched uh, Metropolis, Fox. Oh, you know, I've always meant to. I've just never really sat down and watched a non-silent, like old, old movie. So jumping into the logistics here, we have The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. It was released in 1953. It has a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb currently with a 95% tomato meter and a 68% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. It was directed by Eugene Laurie and stars a bunch of old actors who... Nobody will probably ever know these names because it's 1953. Oh, how could you? There's one name in there that's a big name. What, what is this name here? Lee Van Cleef. Ah. When does he come in? He's the guy who shoots the dinosaur with the rifle. At the end? Yeah. Oh, okay. I did see that part. <laughs> you mean the harpoon? Yeah. That's Lee Van Cleef, the fastest eye in the West. And also there's a Primus song named after him. That's the real reason you know this. <laughs> and he's an escape from New York. I'm not saying that these are bad actors. I'm just saying I don't know any of these guys from anything else. Except for in the writing credits, we do have Ray Bradbury, which this was based off of um, a short story he had called The Foghorn, kind of, sort of. It, it's weird. We can jump into it later, but you're forgetting somebody. Who? Mr. Ray Harryhausen on the visual effects. Oh, did he do the Sinbad stuff too? Yeah, and he did this. That makes sense. I did not know that. He did King Kong as well. He's a legend in the stop motion visual effects. I did not know he did this. That's very interesting. I wish it would say that more up front on the IMDb stuff, but it doesn't. I didn't know that at all. You gotta go to full cast. (laughs) <laughs> and then go find the visual effects page. I was wondering why it looks so good. And then I was like, oh, that's why. <laughs> so we were talking about this earlier, just like right before we started recording. But this movie features a ferocious dinosaur that's awakened in the Arctic after an atomic test, which may remind you of some other monster that was 
awakened from an atomic test. And I did read in the trivia on IMDb that this movie actually inspired um, the guy who made the original Godzilla to go ahead and make Godzilla. Ah, makes sense. They're very similar. Well, in a certain aspect they are. So you can, yeah, definitely tell that he saw this and was like, hey, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and make my version of Godzilla. I'm just going to go ahead and improve on everything in this movie and make it like 10 times better. <laughs> oh, it's true. I've not seen the original Godzilla, but when did that come out? Uh, the year after this. Okay, so very quickly after this one. Well, and the big differences between that and this is obviously this is stop motion and Godzilla's a dude in a rubber suit. And then the story format's actually a lot different too. This one tends to be more scientific in its approach, whereas Godzilla's more a drama amongst three characters and relating it back to nuclear war and the bombs being dropped on Japan, so... That ties it all together a lot better, I would say, thematically. This reminded me a lot of uh, Shin Godzilla, like it being the uh, the scientist point of view. Yeah, the the biz the like business people instead of like the military and the action heroes. Yeah, so they got to come up with a scheme with some chemicals to kill him. Yeah, I believe you mean the radioactive isotope. Yeah, <laughs> shot out of a gun. Gotta love the fifties science. Yeah, I'll just say it up front. I slept through the middle part of this movie pretty much. Oh, man. Tisk tisk. I didn't mean to, okay? I watched it on Monday. It was crazy busy day at work, and I got home, and I put this on, and I had some pizza rolls, and I don't know what happened. He fell asleep. That's what happened. Yeah, I remember them showing uh, the scene in the Arctic or whatever where they go explore where that ship blew up or the plane blew up with the the uh, atomic test or whatever and they saw the dinosaur and then that guy was in the hospital and he's like no one believes me i saw this thing and no one believes him and then i woke up halfway through a couple times so i have little glimpses and then i woke up at the end when they were riding the roller coaster up to shoot him with the harpoons wow. as he was devouring like a fun land or something so i just gonna say it up front Whatever you guys talk about in here, it may be new to me. I thought about rewatching it, but then I was like, nah. Yeah, I would think you had a couple days to do that. I'm just... Man, <laughs> we've got a really fresh perspective on this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say, it, it's been crazy week for me, so I didn't get back to it. But I, I got the general concept of it. I got the gist of it. This is a shorter movie, hour and 20 minutes, so... I think what I missed is the stuff that I needed to miss, which is what? them oh, man. basically talking all science stuff and him trying to get other people to go search for this creature for him. Yeah, you did miss the boring parts of the movie, that's for sure. You missed the shark and the octopus. I did miss that. I, that, I don't even know what that is. Oh, no. They go down in the diving bell to look for the retosaurus, and then they witness a shark and an octopus fight each other. Then the Redosaurus shows up and eats both of them, <laughs> and possibly the diving bell. <laughs> that does sound pretty good. I'm sad I missed that. And it's not stop motion either on the shark and the octopus. They put them in a tank and had them fight. Wow. Ugh. Hmm. That's what I, I don't know for sure, but it looked like it. <laughs> it looked pretty real to me. 
that shark looked real. I wasn't sure if the octopus was like a fake octopus or a real octopus. Well, it puts its tentacles on the glass of the aquarium it's in or whatever. So I figured they were both real and going to town. Oh, jeez. Hmm, yeah. <laughs> I guess that was the day and age. It's like, whatever, who cares? Two animals were harmed in the making of this, I suppose. I gotta say, the beginning of this movie, right? We're doing the nuclear test. And then they're like, so something weird happens in the nuclear test. And they're like, hey, we got to send somebody out there to go check it out. And the other, you know, like, they, they get the soldier and he's like, all right, I guess I'll go out. And the captain's like, all right, but don't be a hero out there, you know. And he's like, you don't got to worry about that. I'll come running back. And it was so weird to me coming off of, so my girlfriend and I just finished watching Chernobyl on HBO. And it seems like the general populace is so unaware of the negative effects of radiation, which I don't know if that's just how HBO chose to portray the people in that town at that time in 1986. Because that was in 86, right? Almost like 30 years after this movie came out. But clearly, this is like barely a decade after we dropped the bomb. And already people are like, radiation, man, I'm bugging the heck out of there. So I guess almost from like a historical context, it was super interesting to see that people were already very concerned about even being anywhere remotely close to radiation. Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, we've probably had plenty of chances, yeah, to observe and see the real effects of what this does. I think they were pretty aware at this point that it was, yeah, pretty catastrophic. I don't know, it was just like a weird uh, kind of historical parallel, I guess. You know, to like to see how people are depicted in the 80s versus watching a film that deals with it from the 50s. Yeah, it is kind of different. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of even like comparing it between like um, this and Godzilla even. Like where at the end of this movie, they use radioactive stuff to help them. They kind of put like a positive spin a little bit. They use it as a tool to beat the monster at the end. Whereas I don't feel like in the original Godzilla movie, they, it's not necessarily a positive thing that they have to succumb to using a like giant weapon or whatever to, to stop it. It's kind of a different perspective. It's kind of an interesting, like culturally, like how I feel like we maybe we view it like, like maybe there's, you know, hope with this nuclear stuff in Japan's like, man, this stuff's just so bad. And I think that's a pretty fair statement to make. So let me ask, how big is the radiation um, theme and aspect of this movie? Not very big. They talk about it when they go to investigate the bomb site, and that's it. I do think you've got a really good point, though, TV. I did not think about it like that, but you're right. Like, this is an American movie that kind of spins it in a, like, a, hey, this is like a really damaging thing. But we can also use it in a positive way. But I'm thinking about everything I know about Godzilla, they're like, no, no, <laughs> we don't want it. It's bad. Yeah, it's more of like, you know, science can save us. And then in Godzilla, it's like, well, science can really screw us really bad. That's a really interesting contrast. Yeah, it's kind of a different look at things I thought was kind of interesting watching this. Mm hmm. And make a good double feature with the original Godzilla. I said I'd talk about it earlier, but the lighthouse scene where the creature attacks the lighthouse, that was actually from a Ray Bradbury short story. They ended up, I think, buying the rights to that from him so they could use it in uh, the movie. The story was called The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. And they're like, that's much better than whatever we came up with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that lighthouse scene was pretty cool. I really liked that. Yeah, you got a good sense of scale with it. 
they do a really good job in this movie of like incorporating the stop motion with the real people i feel like that kind of impressed me even when that place is like collapsing and they have like the shot of the people inside still i was like dang that actually looks really good for the 50s or when he eats the dude like picks him up off the ground and swallows him that was really good too for the 50s it's kind of cool how they can yeah meld the two things together i'm just gonna say it the the beast in this movie looked better than the one the googly-eyed one in Shin Godzilla that came out of the ocean. <laughs> that thing looked bad, okay? This thing actually looked pretty decent for the movie in the backdrop almost the whole time. Back then, I'm sure it like blew people away, you know? Yeah, I'm sure people were terrified. This was labeled as a horror film, after all, so... <laughs> yeah, well, if you think the original uh, King Kong movie, that came out in uh, 1933... That movie terrified a lot of people who watched it. Granted, this one came out, you know, 20 years after that one. So they were probably used to seeing these kind of monsters and this kind of stuff in movies up to that point. There's a lot of monster movies. <laughs> yeah, the, there's a lot of really old monster movies that I would like to see more, but it's just kind of hard to sit down and watch these really old movies now. I got a 30-pack of all the old Universal Monster movies. Ooh. Now, those I need to visit sometime. I don't think I've seen any of those, like the classic ones. Yeah, I have to be in a mood to watch them. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I have to be in the mood to, like, revisit these old movies. Or I w Revisit isn't the right term. It's to, to watch these old movies. Like, I tried to watch the old Nosferatu one, the one that's silent except for the music, and then it has the text that just pops up on the screen. I made it about 30 minutes into that, and I was like, okay, I don't think I can keep watching this. Not because it's bad, but it's just, it's like a, you have to push yourself to watch them, at least for me. You have to force yourself to watch it. And the reason I would do it is to look at how a uh, film through a historical viewpoint to see like, hey, this is what it was back then. Yeah, it is kind of different. Just like the pacing and stuff is, yeah, so different. I, I agree with you. A lot of these older, like, 50s movies, you kind of have to be right in the right set of mind because it does get pretty slow. And, yeah, that whole middle section, I was pretty bored the whole time watching Aww. them just kind of babble on about science. <laughs> and is the dinosaur real or not? Whenever the dinosaur shows up, I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool now. But, man, they do not. he does not stick around long whenever he does have those short, like, attack things and like the ocean it's like maybe 20 seconds long and then they go back to wandering between like hospitals and the paleontology lab and just talking about bones and maybe this is the dinosaur or maybe this is the dinosaur we haven't learned much in the last uh, 60 years about how to do monster <laughs> movies because our gripe is still there's not enough monster in the movie <laughs> it's pretty par for the course honestly a lot of the uh, godzilla movies are like that too a little bit where it's just them running around and then when the monsters show up you're happy and the people kind of just meh but i don't know at least those like older godzilla movies they have a little more i feel like the characters have more personality i didn't really like any of the characters in this one maybe the old guy but he also kind of creeped me out i know it's like a time thing but whenever the girl would like kiss him on the lips i was like <laughs> i feel like this is like a weird thing that maybe it's because of the time though this is definitely a product of its time <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all the, none of the characters stand out, really, for me. I don't think you're wrong. I think the uh, the main guy, you know, I what whatever his name was, Paul Hubschmidt, 
He kind of reminds me of like a poor man's James Stewart, you know? Yes, I was envisioning Jimmy Stewart being in this and being like, wow, this would be so much better. Yes. (laughs) I feel like the studio saw this guy and was like, man, this guy's only asking for like 5% of what Stewart wants. (laughs) Yeah, that guy was, uh, I don't know. He was okay, I guess, but he did not have like any charisma at all. I did not enjoy his performance. Yeah. It did kind of crack me up sometimes, like, this is an era, right, where they're super genuine with these kind of movies. You know, it's not until, like, the 80s and 90s that they start making these movies that are like, uh-huh, get it, we're in on the joke too, wink wink. Like, I feel like at this point, everybody is committing to their role and trying to stick to it. But like this guy, they're not all particularly exceptional actors. So coming off our Pastor review, I'll give it to you guys. I did have to chuckle at the absurdity of this movie a few times. Some of the writing was like almost clever a little bit with like the the loves. I guess there's a love interest in this a little bit. The main guy and the professor's assistant, the paleontologist assistant, like fall in love kind of. They don't really go that deep into it. But there's some <laughs> line I thought was really clever about like, I studied the future. You study the past. It's like, hmm, what will oh, we yeah. find? And she's like, well, let's focus on the present. <laughs> Shut down. You know? <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's a pretty clever line. Maybe not delivered quite right, but it was like, that's, that's pretty good writing, honestly. I mean, there's a dinosaur coming to destroy New York, you know? <laughs> this dude is clearly trying to lay some moves on, and the gal is like, hang on, buster. <laughs> Priorities, man. Not very well developed, that love uh, story, but you know what? That's fine, I guess. Yeah, it's just that old trope of the main character just finding the first attractive female that he sees and latching on. I mean, if they were going to do it, though, I think they should have gone, like, committed to it a little bit better, because it doesn't really come up again after that scene. It would have given me something more, like, a little, at least some more dynamics that I could be interested in in this movie. Something else to pay attention to besides just talking about, yeah, nuclear tests and science. Are you crazy or are you not? Something I did like was there was a couple times where they would always call up this general or this colonel or captain, whatever rank he was. Maybe he was a corporal. I don't know. But Professor Tom Nesbitt would always call him up and be like, I found proof of the dinosaur. <laughs> And that guy's like, oh, you crazy whippersnapper, you you can't possibly have proof of this thing. I don't know how much that happened, but I feel like it happened a lot. Yeah, they're always so polite about it, too. In the modern movie, yeah, this would be like the big, like, central thing. It's like, this, is this guy crazy or is he not? But in this movie, they're all just like, eh, you still kind of believe in this dinosaur thing, but you can leave, you know, you're fine. <laughs> you can go. <laughs> We're not going to lock you up. I did find that refreshing about it. Yeah, that's true. It was a little different. I felt bad for the French guy he goes and talked to. It seemed like that guy had been getting the modern treatment. Yeah, pretty much. I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen nothing. That's what everybody keeps telling me. I don't know anything. I haven't seen anything. Don't ask me about it. (laughs) That poor guy. He'd been through the ringer, that's for sure. Yeah, the main guy just kind of brushes it off. Does he think he's crazy? Like, before um, he learns about the second dinosaur attack because I, I feel like he's pretty much like yeah i must have just imagined it and then i don't know because it still kind of feels that way for like most of the movie where he's just like you know it's like it could be real <laughs> i don't know where he kind of stands on it i could have used a little more drama i think i might have preferred to have a little more of am i crazy am i not rather than just being him like 
Well, I know what I saw. Whatever. It's really hard with these old movies because, like, I've watched the original Mummy movie with that guy who has the stare. These old movies are kind of hard to, I think, review and judge because we judge them now after these movies were obviously paving the way to get to where we are now where we have these awesome, amazing movies and these awesome monster movies and things like that. But these movies were setting up what paved the way to get where we are now. So it's it's very difficult to look back on it with our lens of we're like, hey, we've had these awesome movies for the past 20 years. And even in even into the 80s, there was awesome monster movies, you know? So it's it's pretty difficult to look back on these ones that paved the way to get to where we are now and judge them, I think. Yeah, I, I still think they do some things that are pretty effective. Like all the actual shots with the monster in this movie are really good. And it looks really good, too, on the screen. I mean, yeah, you can tell it's stop motion, but it still looks amazing considering it was made back in the 50s. And I don't think all the, like, tension is gone in the movie too because it's an older one i really like the part where they're looking through all the um, photos to try and find a picture of the retosaurus right so that way he can see if he was actually crazy or not because he's going through all of them yeah they're they're flirting and stuff but as he's going through it you're sitting there wondering all right is he gonna actually find it and come around to his um, belief or is he not going to find a picture of it? And this is something completely different. And then when um, they bring in the old sailor and have him do the same thing to see if he matches with them, I thought that was really well done. And I liked that part quite a bit. Yeah, that was cool. But I think at least just some of that tension since we kind of know, like we've seen attacks this thing's been doing between this time. I don't know. I think they could have like put that more in the beginning or something, instead of confirming it, like, right away. But it's more for the character's perspective than for the audience. I was very surprised they revealed the monster in all of its glory in the, like, first ten minutes of the movie. Oh, but it's a great shot when they do. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, he has a cool entrance. I like him. It's a cool monster. They don't show him at first. They build up to that first viewing when it's all snowy and he's so huge compared to the guy there. Oh, man, that was great because you hear the roar and then you see bits and pieces of him and then you finally see him and you're like, oh, this is cool. It might have helped that I just finished reading um, At the Mountains of Madness, too. So (laughs) I was loving the Arctic exploration stuff there. Man, you're a champ if you can get through the first uh, bit of that book. Oh, yeah. Definitely not his best, I will say that. (laughs) We'll say. I did really enjoy the music of this movie. Like, it very much reminds me of, like, the Godzilla music, and I felt like it was just going the entire hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. It was really good. I liked it, too. Just kind of classic monster movie music. Very foreboding. It might have been the most horror-esque element of this entire movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's probably true, actually. (laughs) At least nowadays. I don't know. It it bringing a virulent disease along with it is pretty scary, I thought. Man, that was so random. That was more of the taking the science approach 
with this movie and something they took from H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. Well, where I thought they were going with it was when everybody was starting to get sick and stuff. I was like, oh, this thing's like pumped full of radiation. That's why it's like attacking people. And when you get close to it and making it, I, I guess even just making it bleed like that radiation just pouring out or something. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's really thematic. And then they're like, oh, it's a disease. And I was like, huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, that works too. Man, that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> the the concept makes sense because it's like, yeah, that's a disease from, I don't know, millions of years ago that nobody would have like any immunities or anything towards. So It would still be spreading though. You wouldn't have to make it bleed to do that, I don't think. Would you? I don't know. I don't know. It's not as smart as it thinks it is for sure, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. It just it just adds to the scientific nature they're going for with the film. I just think, you know, it would have helped bring some themes together a little bit if it just would have been the radiation, dang it. Well, don't worry. Godzilla, they went ahead and did that. Yep. Godzilla figured it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it, it does make sense. So I agree. I just, I don't know. It just feels like a weird twist when like, I feel like logically it should have went in a different direction, but maybe that's because in hindsight, you know, I've seen all these Godzilla movies and stuff that maybe it wasn't so obvious back then. Well, and like you said earlier too, it's the American version. So they're going for the more positive spin. Not that they're like setting out to do that on purpose, right? It's just the mindset's different. As opposed to something coming from Japan. Nothing malicious, just the mindset's different. Just the cultural, yeah, differences. For sure, yeah. One is much more effective than the other, though, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I will say, though, yeah, I think you're right, Dan. Like, the monster's pretty incredible. Like, that's really cool. It looks really good for the time. When it's, like, busting through walls and stuff is really awesome. When it's just going nuts in New York, that was the best scene, for sure, in the movie. When it busts through the um, building, oh, that was so good. That was so cool. That was a really good scene. There's a lot of cool stuff, yeah. And I think, yeah, like, once again, I think the, they blend it so well with the humans and the stop motion. Like, he hits a wall down, and then the wall crumbles and hits people. It's like, dang, that's really good. Like, they're they're pulling it off pretty well. Like, I don't know if that's a, a plus to doing it stop motion style rather than suit style because the suit style like they do it too but sometimes it's like really obvious that it's just like a big blue screen then that's like uh what's the word um like they just like pasted the footage in the background very poorly and they green screen the actors in front of it and it looks really iffy but i guess they didn't really do it at all in this did they yeah they do it a, a few times like when he's coming out of the water in the new york they do it they do it a couple times but most of it they're not doing that when he eats the the pod I guess that's kind of an example too, where like the the mouth just kind of like comes across the screen, and it's like, oh, yeah. I guess he ate that, didn't he? <laughs> I, I I like that though. I think that's kind of like a fun thing of the times. It's like, yeah, well, you know, that works. Yeah, I get I get what happened. But. <laughs> yeah, it's the best they can do. It gets pretty dark in New York there for a while, you know. I mean, he's eating people and knocking over buildings. There's like corpses in the rubble, like bodies in the street, like. It went from zero to like a hundred real fast when he started terrorizing the city. Yeah. They're like, we don't know where it is at the moment. I was like, huh? How do you not know where the giant dinosaur is? <laughs> they have the spotlight and it's like the jailbreak. Yeah. He's like trying to duck out of the spotlight. <laughs> yeah. Where'd he go? 
Let's follow the big hole in the building. Yeah, like surely you have helicopters that can follow this thing, you know? Like, I mean, yeah, it's the 50s. They have planes. They totally had helicopters in the 50s. Like, Yeah, I'm not sure how they lost that thing, man. Priority should be to be have eyes on that at all times. But I did. I found that very funny that they're like, it's a war zone. It's taken over the island. We don't know where it is, but it's somewhere. I also found it funny, too. It's a completely different way of doing it than like Godzilla does, where the beast just pops out with no buildup or nothing at random times throughout the movie. <laughs> I that that got a good chuckle out of me because you're just watching something and then oh here he comes out of the water. It's like all right, time the rampage. Whereas Godzilla, they completely build it up and they make you scared of when he's going to show up and everything. It's, <laughs> it's definitely a change. I love it. Yeah, because it's like, it's just enough like character, like to kind of get to know these like random side characters. Like, are you talking about like, you know, like the boat scene where it's like these two <laughs> ship people. Ah, how's it going? You know, they're just having a nice chat and it's like, oh, here comes the dinosaur. What are you doing, laddie? Are you mad? <laughs> the guy doesn't yeah. even say anything. <laughs> or in the lighthouse. They were so nice in the lighthouse. He's like, ah, he's playing the accordion. And then the other guy's like, ah, I heard the greatest song I ever heard yesterday, but I ain't got a, a voice for singing. And I'm like, oh, this is so great. These are better characters than anybody in this movie so far. And then they just get wasted by the dinosaur. Dinosaur just shows up. Sup, dudes? Dude, that like, lighthouse what? scene is freaking awesome. There's a screenshot on Wikipedia of it, and the silhouette of the monster against the silhouette of the lighthouse looks awesome. It does, yeah. That and when he's in the Arctic are probably my favorite shots from this. This movie is super fun, just in a historical way. This very much seems like a monster movie that would be on, like, the TV that the kids are watching in, like, an 80s horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That they get murdered during? Yeah, just like, like a stock, like, you know, horror monster movie, like, yeah, that they would use. Like the thing in Halloween or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is always kind of cool in that regard to see the roots of it all, outside of, like, the silent film stuff from, like, 1913, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's cool to see how far we've come since since the is this the technically the golden age of Hollywood? Is that what they called it? That's what they say. They're just churning out movies left and right, I think, at this point. What do you guys prefer? Suit or stop motion? Ooh. I was thinking about this today. I'm gonna go with suit, I think. I just think it feels more real when they're actually like crushing miniatures and stuff. And I kinda like the wonkiness of it as well. I think there's pros and cons for both though. I feel like I'll be chastised on this show, hmm. but I have not seen the original Godzilla. I don't plan on watching it unless one of you forces me to watch it. It's good. It's really good. You don't plan on watching it? It's huh? the best Godzilla movie. <laughs> Maybe only TV will chastise me. You should watch it. It's good. I can't believe what I'm hearing. So I, I can't speak for the, the suit. Versus the stop motion. But the stop motion looked really good in this. And we just did uh, Velocipaster. And that guy was in a suit. So <laughs> it's a very unfair comparison here. But 
the the stop motion looked better than the suit in Velocipaster. That's it, TV. It's all over. You've lost. Oh, you're right. You got me. I didn't expect that. Ray Harryhausen versus Velocipaster. <laughs> Dang. I have no good retort. I got to go with stop motion. I mean, you know, growing up on uh, Jason and the Argonauts that I thought was Jason and the Golden Fleece for years. <laughs> those skeletons at the end. I got I to gotta go with that one. That's, that's just what I know and what I feel nostalgic about is the stop motion stuff. I don't know which one I like better, honestly. I think I probably like the stop motion better, too. I don't know, though. I can't really defend it. I, I I don't know. I like the way it looks better than people in a suit, but I do think people in the suit look more, I don't know, natural than stop motion, but... I think it blends better with real life stuff. It does for sure, yeah, but there's a, there's a charm to stop motion too that I like quite a bit. And I think, yeah, like the stop motion stuff, you can be a little more precise with it and you can kind of get whatever you want from it. Whereas when you're in a suit, you kind of like, you know, you see this in a lot of Godzilla movies, they just start throwing rocks at each other and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of articulation going on. Whereas in, with the stop motion, you can do that. But I don't know. I just love, yeah, I think it's just nostalgia partly too, is the suit. It's just kind of fun. I kind of like the wonkiness of it where it just kind of <laughs> feels like a wrestling match. Yeah, <laughs> it does. I guess stop motion is kind of like what the CGI of the olden days, isn't it? It's how they did all their big, crazy effects. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it does go back. There's like a nostalgia piece to this because Dan and I, we grew up watching the old Sinbad movies where they had the guy doing the stop motion stuff with the skeletons and the sea monsters and those kind of things. And that has really lost a lot of, uh, you know, foothold in Hollywood stop motion stuff. The last big movie I can think of that did stop motion was um, Kubo and the Two Strings. That was a few years ago from from now. And it just brings back a nostalgia feeling seeing this. And it even has, you know, foothold in animation today. Like if you've seen the uh, animated series, Gravity Falls had a whole episode about stop motion. And they go into this guy's stop motion house and all this stop motion uh, creatures like come to life and chase them. And it's it's a huge tribute to all the old uh, Sinbad stuff. Like it gets pretty ridiculous and it's a funny show, but it's got a nostalgia feel to it when you see it. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, Wes Anderson does stop motion movies a lot. Isle of Dogs, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Exactly. Yeah, those are Two big ones that I missed, too. Yeah, it is kind of cool to see it nowadays because it is kind of rare. It's kind of neat whenever a new one comes out. You're like, ah, and it, it has a, a really unique look. Well, guys, what do you think about doing some overall presentation for this one? I think I'm ready. I got nothing else. It's time. All right, so we've got a scale around here that goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it in that order. We all give a little spiel of what we think, and then we average it out at the end if we can. So... Let's see what we say about the beast from 20,000 fathoms. Well, take my opinion with a grain of salt because I slept through most of this movie as a disclaimer, but it was very influential. You can tell that from just a little bit. I watched the, you know, this movie inspired the guy to go on who make Godzilla and Godzilla is huge. He's still even big today. 
it's interesting to have the lens to go back and watch a historical movie and see how it influenced stuff moving forward and movies and directors and writers and all this stuff. But I'm going to give this one a pass. I probably would have never watched this movie unless it was for... I don't even know which one of you guys picked this movie. It was me! Fox. <laughs> it, it's not a bad movie, but I would have never watched this if it weren't for... I believe you guys Googled dinosaur movies, and then there was this beast from 20,000 Fathoms that looks amazing. We must watch it. And I was like, oh my God. You know? It's not a bad movie. I am glad that I watched it, but I will probably never watch this movie again. So I'm going to give it a pass. You know, to both build off of and lend some context to Mad Mike's uh, overall there. It is true we Googled dinosaur movies, and it's true that I was pretty inebriated and went, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms! <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I am glad we landed in this place. You know, uh, it, it's hard to recommend this movie to just, like, a co-worker or something, you know? Like, how do I... How do I sell you on a movie that's like 70 years old? I mean, you know, maybe maybe you grew up on this kind of thing. I wouldn't say I grew up on old movies, but it does bring me some nostalgia of catching Jason and the Argonauts, not Jason and the Golden Fleece on TV land after Saturday morning cartoons, you know? They were like always showing that movie. I don't know why, but it brought me back to that, and it was kind the of classic. fun in that regard. It is, right? I mean, the stop motion thing is super cool, and it's extremely impressive to think that this was 54, and like... Really, the stop-motion technology didn't change a lot in that 20-year span. It was just the color film that changed. So I think from a historical aspect, this is a super cool movie, and I I feel compelled. I feel like I should give it a watch. You know, am I going to go to work and be like, hey guys, you should watch The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms? Eh, probably not. But do I think it's worth a watch? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going to land on this one. I do think it is kind of cool from a historical perspective, yeah. The stop motion is really interesting. The dinosaur is really cool. I do like all the scenes with him, even if some of them are kind of brief and he just kind of pops up and then he goes away. But there's a lot of this movie that's kind of just boring. There's not a lot of, there's not much tension, I don't feel, from it. And, you know, that is kind of par for the course with a lot of these monster movies anyways. But um, I just, I don't know. I feel like you should just, skip this one and watch Godzilla. I feel like Godzilla improved everything about this one and like brought it all together with the themes and like the story, the monster. I think it all just kind of improves from there. I, I think I might give it a pass. I don't know if I'll ever watch this again. Um, it was interesting and maybe it did inspire Godzilla, but you know, I would just stick with Godzilla, at least the first one. Yeah. Following up what Terry said, it is hard to watch this and not compare it to Godzilla, right? Because as much as the two movies are different, there are a lot of similarities between them as well. And honestly, Godzilla just is the better movie of the two. The characters are more interesting in that one. There's actual drama between them and how they're going to deal with the situation. And it's tied into the cultural relevance of having the atomic bombs dropped on Japan. And that lends itself greatly to that film. What they do similar, though, is great monster effects. Even though Godzilla's a suit and this is stop motion, they both are able to achieve killer shots 
that showcase the scale and um, horror of coming up against something like this in real life. And it's cool being able to um, see them do it in such different ways, but still achieve the same result. And um, that's why I'd say this is a good like double feature companion piece with Godzilla. It's basically just the not as good version, but it's different enough to make it worth watching and then following up with Godzilla to see how it's been improved upon story-wise. You can argue if stop motion or using the suits better all you want. Regardless, they can achieve great things doing it both ways. I really enjoyed watching this. I like seeing all these old movies and seeing how they're able to come up with the effects and stuff. Seeing what they're able to pull off way back when, right before we get all the technology that we have today. It's a nice blast from the past, and I'm really nostalgic about stop motion and really like it. I've got a whole Ray Harryhausen collection that has all the Simbads and Jason and the Argonauts, all, all his classic stuff. So I'll go ahead and give this one a watch it, too. Solely on the fact that Godzilla's the better of the two, and if you're going to spend your money, you should get the original Godzilla over this one. But this one's a, a good companion piece to go with it, I think. It's one I'll probably buy myself um, sometime down the line or part of like a collection. But for the average person, I'd say give it a watch. Give it a watch. It's it's a fun movie to see. Ah, so we've uh, encountered another one of those that falls <laughs> into a strange gray area of our scale. Comes down to a patch. patch. <laughs> you gotta patch the dino with a man in a suit. Patch it. <laughs> Jeez, TV, you rat. Pour my heart out and then you, you pass me. How could you do this to me? <laughs> what? Yeah, we've got the weird... Uh, in between watch it and a pass run the real certified classic yep yeah you'll know if you're interested in it like <laughs> if you're like oh it's a movie from 54 53 53 a, yeah stop motion dinosaur <laughs> you'll know like if this is interesting to you or not so <laughs> if, if you like the original godzilla you should watch this too yeah it is interesting from that perspective i think but please if you have to choose Pick Godzilla, please. What? Yeah, Godzilla is a lot better than this one is, but I mean, this one's worth watching too, I think, just for the differences. So what do we want to do for next week? Hmm, I don't remember who picked this one. Who picked this one? I think Terry picked this one. Ah, he he doesn't want to introduce it himself, huh? (laughs) I bet I know what we're going to lead with on the next episode. (laughs) I think so too. (laughs) We're back? Yeah, we're her back. <laughs> we're back for another episode of Run Dover. Ah, uh, yeah, oh yeah, featuring John Goodman, Jay Leno, and Walter Cronkite. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I used to watch this all the time as a kid. So hopefully, uh, my childhood isn't like ruined by revisiting it. That's that's a that's a bad idea. Don't watch movies you've loved as a kid, <laughs> as an adult. Please don't ruin my childhood. (laughs) I'm sure it will hold up just fine. We're going to love this movie no matter what it takes. We'll find out how it goes next week. Tune in 
Where can they get in contact with us? Ah, yes. You can you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Run the Real, or you can email us at runtherealpodcast.gmail.com. If you guys have suggestions or anything that you want us to cover, hit us up. We'll take them. We'll do them eventually, so let us know. All right, cool. Well, be sure to get in contact with us. We'd really love to hear from you. This is Run the Real, signing off.